This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a lane. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hour two of two right here. On beautiful, uh, is Bancroft Street? Are we on Bancroft? What about Bancroft? Are we on Bancroft Street? Yeah. 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 Beautiful day mm-hmm. out here. Wonderful northwest Bancroft? Question mark? Southwest. Southwest. Yeah. Okay. It's right here on the... Um, southwest waterfront. Southwest waterfront. Yeah. You heard it here first or second, I guess. They've been building up this waterfront for a while now. It's too bad, too, because that baseball stadium would look really good a couple blocks it north of us. It would have looked great. And there's yeah. still some places I think you could still still put it, but they're really adamant on like having some water like somewhere in the background. And I'm yeah. like, I get it, but don't let that be the reason you don't build a baseball stadium because you can't get a, a river view. Like, come on, man. It's It, it really is. I, I mean, I... I agree. I think, you know, uh, a lot about baseball is the aesthetics. You know, there's so much downtime, so much looking around and enjoying the scenery. And Well, I mean, Safeco know. Field isn't like, it's not like an, like an awesome location. Like, I mean, you know, it's cool. No, I it's, mean, but it's kind of more in like almost the industrial part in the industrial of area, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where it would be for us as well. It's just the, they want it to be... Hey, you still have it near the water, though, in Seattle, and that's that's what they want. You want it near the water. You know, I, we talked about this last week about, you know, down in San Francisco, you know, they get that interaction of fans that aren't even at the game with them being on their boats and kayaks out there waiting for um, home runs to come out there and try to try to get those home run, home run balls. So being able to do little things like that um, can go a long way towards keeping people interactive with the team even if it's not necessarily very good yeah i don't know there's just so many things to do with a baseball game that i'm not necessarily tripping on seeing the seeing the river in the background like cool don't get me wrong but i think think there's so many many good food and so much good food and so many different types of beer to try in the beer garden so many people to flirt with like i'm not really as concerned with where the where the placement of the river is yeah i mean just saying uh, you, you don't you don't want it to be like the, the one part like I know we've talked about it also being it and uh, the horse track you know yeah. at Meadows but at the same time 
there's nothing around Meadows. Like, I go there all the time I'm around curious that Delta Park area. I'm anybody in Portland's really like, man, yes, that river in the background is really going to be the selling point for me. That's what's going to make me go to the games more often. Like, I'm, I mean, McCovey Cove, like, that's awesome. Like, if you're a uh, 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 San Francisco fan, like, that's an awesome place to be. You know, you knock the balls right into the river and everything. Man, that's, that's tight, you know, but... They're not going to be that close to the river. Don't you so. have to, though, like think about every aspect like that, though, when you're um, one, you have 81 games, I think it is, every year that you have to get people in the seats, right? So that that's a lot of games. Yeah. Um, so you got 81 games, so you got to get them in the seat. If you don't win, people don't want to come. You, 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 you're thinking, oh, well, this is a mentality that's been taking over more and more and more as TVs and entertainment centers have gotten nicer. Why would I go to a, a stadium when I can watch it at home? It's a more comfortable setting. I get better views. I get, you know, more information. And there's just so many reasons why you would rather stay home as opposed to go to the game. I think you do have to look at every aspect of how you get butts in the seats when you have 81 games that you need to do that. No, yeah. I mean, but I, I just, I, I could be wrong, but I don't know if that would be a, a major selling point for now for the outsides taking pictures and stuff like that before you go in hey let's take a picture going to the game selfies like okay like that part is is okay but you know the rose garden i mean granted it's or moda center it's on it's by a river but it's like yeah no but I mean, it, nobody's it, taking pictures on the on the the steel bridge to be able to like have that aesthetics of the river in the background. It is still te- like kind of part of the downtown though, even though it's on the other side of the river. You so know? When they do and the, I know they want the wide that shot as well. from the top and they show the river and the rose. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's tight. But for a TV aspect too, that's going to happen during baseball games. If you're showing like wide shots of the stadium, if it's over at where, you know, Portland Meadows is, you're going, what is that all around there? Cause it's not nice. Like you got the Columbia slew, not too far away, but it's not close enough to where you're going. That's kind of in a really, you know, that that's not oh, no, a very you nice. Definitely want, don't town. want any shots of the Columbia slew. <laughs> Probably not what you want. So, um, like I said, I don't care. Just bring baseball here. Damn it. I could care less about where it's played. You can play it at PG park. Like you used to do with the beavers. I will be there. So yeah, I probably won't. I, uh, yeah. We're kind of running running out of time. Just want to mention it, I guess, uh, really fast because I think it's been really overblown. Not overblown through the week because I think it's an important topic, but I think it's been dissected and discussed since it happened a lot over the past week. So the NFL implemented a new policy in regards to their stance on the national anthem protest. So if players are going to protest, they should do so from the locker room or from the tunnel. They do not want players who will not be participating in the national anthem to stand on the sidelines with their teams and coaches. I, it was, it was hard for me to say, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with this because I think this can do more harm to the NFL than good. Um, If you look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles who have been very outspoken um, especially guys like Chris Long and uh, some of the other like key characters on their team, um, been very outspoken. Uh, and now I think what's Michael Bennett is also a Philadelphia Eagle at this point, correct? So, I believe so yeah, those are two people that have been really on the forefront of the protest and police brutality and some of those things. Um, I think this could result in man a lot of guys staying in the locker room, if nothing else, in support of their teammates. 
you know, there's the we we've seen before, especially after uh, number forty five came out and made the uh, I would find the SOBs for for doing that, and then you saw the big show of support throughout the league and the owners and and things like that. But that only lasted for about a week. Ray Lewis said he was just praying though. He wasn't he wasn't kneeling for the flag. He was just praying that this madness be over with or whatever. Don't like Ray Lewis, but whatever. Um, again, I think this can, and I know we have to get ready to go. I think this is going to do more harm than good. The other reason is they didn't, they never contacted the NFLPA. They never let the Players Association know this is something that will be put to a vote. They never got to vote on it. So now you're starting to hear players come out and talk about it. But also you're starting to hear people from other leagues come out and say something, one of which being the coach of the defending world champions, the Golden State Warriors. I think it's just typical of the NFL. Um, you know, they're just playing to their fan base, and they're just, uh, you know, basically trying to use the anthem as uh, fake patriotism, um, nationalism, uh, scaring people. Um, it's idiotic, but uh, that's how the NFL has handled their business. And uh, I'm proud to be in a league that understands patriotism in America is about free speech, about um, peacefully protesting. I mean, Steve Kerr has also been one of the people that as um, these things have happened nationally has been very outspoken um, on behalf of his team, on behalf of some of the players he's played with, as well as Greg Popovich. There's been a lot of strong, there's been a lot of strong support from NBA coaches and players and things like that. Um, I think the NFL has a real problem on their hands because it's easy to say, well, just stay in your locker room. But what happens when, man, half the team stays in the locker room? What are those, aesthetically, what does that look like now? Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree. This is this is possibly more divisive than kneeling ever was because now I, I look at it as so... Before, it was disrespectful to go and kneel. I mean, they were still, I think most of them were still putting their hands over their heart. They were just kneeling for the for the national anthem, and that became a big issue. Now they're not even going to come out for it. They're not even going to represent themselves for the national anthem. They're, that, that, to me, is a bigger deal. And, and now, not only that now, man, this might be an extra time for some guys to... Finish up doing some stuff in the locker room, man. Take my little pregame dump or whatever. I don't have to go out there for the anthem anymore. Mind you, this was something that they made uh, players start doing. Was it 2012? Yeah, it was 2009? just a few years ago. Yeah. So this wasn't something that has been happening in the NFL for years. This is relatively recent, like about the last six years or so. So if I know that, wait a minute, I don't have to go out there and I won't get fined. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the locker room for – I don't need to do the national anthem. I'm going to finish getting my arm wrapped up or I'm going to finish doing this. I think you can see a lot more of that than guys just going out there and getting ready to go on the field. Uh, yeah, it's um, – uh, I don't think this was the right solution by any means. I don't know what the right solution would be. I, I don't know if there really is a right solution, but I agree. I think you have – a problem that's not going away with the NFL and it's possibly been exacerbated by yeah. the, the decision that they just made. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, man, uh, we have another game seven. We spoke about it 
We'll finish it up, man. Rockets, Warriors, Game 7 in Houston. We'll talk about it next right here on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It's a great record. I forgot all about that song. That was a good song, man. Yeah. Can you keep this going for a little bit, man? Just because I like it. We got we got about another 40 seconds on this. Program. 40 seconds? Yeah. I'll take it. Um. Game seven, Uh, awesome, awesome thing. Uh, Finality is really what it means. Uh, We're in a situation now to where this game seven, unlike the Cleveland and Celtics series, this could very well be the NBA champion. Whomever wins this game between the Warriors and the Rockets, in my opinion, is going to go on to win the NBA championship. Uh, I don't think I felt this confident about a Western Conference team beating an Eastern Conference team since the Blazers-Lakers series back in 2000. And I think it was Shaquille O'Neal that said, whomever wins the series is going to demolish Indiana. And that's exactly what Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant company did to the Indiana Pacers. But if the Blazers had went against the Pacers, I think the Blazers run all over the Pacers. In fact, I think the Blazers beat them 4-1. I don't think there was anything the Pacers could have done against this Blazers team. So now you fast forward that 18 years. Jeez, 18 years. That was a long time ago. So now we fast forward, and the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors go into what will be an epic Game 7. I think this is going to be a closer game than we imagine. Uh, if you look back at the former, the, the, the last few Game 7s that we've had, especially involving the Warriors, um, this is the rubber match. Or not necessarily a rubber match, but they went to Game 7 against Cleveland, um, and came up short. But before that, they went to Game 7 against OKC, came out with that W. So now this is a great team, great time to see if they can go in there against a great, great Houston team. Because Houston is a great team, despite what you saw last night. Houston is still a very, very good basketball team with or without Chris Paul. You don't win 65 games without being a You don't, you don't. Without Chris Paul, they are a different ball, ball team. But with him, they are as unstoppable as you can as a team can be. What exactly do the Rockets have to do to, I guess, steal this game at home? Because the Warriors look as unstoppable as they've ever looked, especially after last night. But also we've seen the Warriors look great on certain nights and then just look like crap the next night. We've seen the same thing from the Rockets. We've seen blowouts. We've seen close games. You don't really know what you're going to get from the series. Like, we've seen both teams win on each other's floor, which I don't think anybody really saw happening. But now here the Warriors are uh, one game away from heading back to the NBA Finals for a fourth time in the Western Conference. That's a hard thing to do. The West, we talk about it all the time, as being um, being very competitive, you know, from one to seven. You never know. Like, you, there, was a, there were a lot of people, especially here in the town, that thought that, man, Portland can go all the way to the championship this year. And that was a real thought for people. And that's just to say that nobody was saying that about Philadelphia. I think a few people were saying that about Philadelphia. You know, a few people were saying it about Boston. Everyone's saying it about Toronto. But the Warriors 
they talk championship every year, and they get to the championship every year. Adding Kevin Durant only made it easier for them to do it. But here's the, here's the interesting part. We've seen Steph Curry win without Kevin Durant. Can't this be Kevin Durant's, I guess, I don't want to call it a coming out party because he's Kevin Durant. He's been out. But can this be his stamp to say, this is my team. I am the, indeed the leader of this team. Now, mind you, we know Steph is, but as far as scoring the basketball, this is my squad because I think he needs to come out and have an NBA Finals type game that he had last year because so far he's been great in these in these conference finals, man. Don't get me wrong, Kevin Durant so far in the finals, he's a leading scorer in through these six game or through these six games, averaging twenty nine points, twenty nine point two points for the series. James Harden's just behind him with twenty eight point one. So the superstars are doing what they have to do. Well, let me put this in context. This is how great the Rockets. James Harden has to be perfect, especially with Chris Paul not playing. He has no choice. He can't come out. Last night, he had 30, 32.7, uh, eight, nine assists, eight rebounds, and they got blown out. Wasn't enough for him. The, the Warriors have three dudes that are putting up 20 a night for the most part. Who's the other guy for the Rockets? It was Chris Paul. Now that he's out, who's, who's that supposed to be? You thought it would be Eric Gordon. He showed up for some of the game. You thought it would be a P.J. Tucker, again, showed up for some of the game. Ariza, some of the game. Who's going to be there for the Rockets all game? Because this firepower that the Warriors have, it, it, it's, it's, I've never seen it before. It's almost unseen. You know, When was the last time you've seen a team with three superstars, each of them putting up 20 a night? Like, I've, I've, I've never seen this, and I feel like, James Harden is in an, he's in a he's in a bad position right now because if he averages just what Steph is averaging for the final for the conference finals which is 24.6 points the Rockets are getting blown out by even more. If he averages what Clay averages, the Rockets are really getting blown out. So he has to play phenomenal all damn near one-on-one basketball for most of the night. Well, I think the key is is and this is the hardest thing to do because uh the supporting cast around him and that it He's had, you know, great, you know, I wouldn't, he's had pretty dang good teams these last several years, but, you know, come playoff time, one of the things I think really hurts him is the fact that in playoff games get more physical. The, the whistle, they, they choke on the whistle a little bit more. Yeah. And they, they don't blow it as much. And when you, the one criticism that's always followed Harden since he's been the guy is. He likes to flop, and that doesn't work in the playoffs. Now, whether he's a flopper or not, I'm not going to say, but I do know that he has more of a finesse game than he does have that physicality game. That um, And that hurts him, I think, in the playoffs, um, when, as opposed to a guy that's just going to take it to the rim and bully his way to the rim. And, um, and that doesn't play really to the Houston Rockets' Um, strengths now that Chris Paul's gone because no. he was your he was your heart he was your strength he was your bad bad dude that was on the floor and Chris Paul it, it's funny because through his career he's never really been regarded as a scorer he's a playmaker somebody that could score but more so to get everybody's involved Chris Paul is making incredible three point shots like hand in his face fading away splash mountain there's nothing you can do about it 
Like, we forget how good of a scorer he is because his entire career, man, he's had to play facilitator. And he's he's a great team member. You know, he's a, he's a great guy that helps get the rest of his players involved. And I don't think that Harden doesn't do that, but I don't think he does it to as great of an extent as well, what Chris Here's Paul what Harden does. doesn't do. Harden's not a barker. No. You know, and Chris Paul, and that's what, why people kind of consider him kind of a jerk or a-hole or overbearing, whatever, is that, man, hey, man, I'm going to bark at you. LeBron and Kobe, what, are they, what do they have in common? Man, they have championships, but I'm going to be in my teammate's ear if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Or yep. if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm expecting somebody to check me like Shaq would for, uh, for Kobe. Coach on the court. At this point, James Harden has always been very much a, a, a team-oriented guy, but not like he's not. He's the Marcus Mariota. He doesn't he's, make people accountable. No, and he's he's just the man. Let's go out there and just do what I, you know. He wants to lead by example, but sometimes you need to be in somebody's ear. Hey, man, ch- chill or, or or step it up or get out of the way. Do something like you need to have that sometime. And Chris Paul is that guy. There was a, there was a, a spot in Game Five where Chris Paul is looking at James Harden. You can tell he's talking to him, saying, hey, man, let's go get this championship. Like, if you can't get up for this, what, um, that's what you need. Somebody that's Draymond, that's what he does for his team. Mm-hmm. Push him in the chest, bro. Get strong. Get big. Let's go. You got to have somebody, and we use the, this term all the time, dog. You've got to have somebody with some dog in you. And Chris Paul is the biggest pit bull that the NBA has. And we've known that. We've known that for the past 14, 15 years or so since he's been. How long has Chris Paul been in the league? 14 years? 13? Uh, yeah, forever. It's a uh, long time. Yeah, it's um, a long time. So if he's this close to an NBA final, and I think Chris Paul's playing. I don't think you get to this point in his career. You've never been to the conference finals. You've never played in a game seven in the conference finals. There's no way he doesn't play. I I well, get it. I get why he, people would say he wouldn't. I get why Steve Kerr, or excuse me, uh, D'Antoni would put it out there that he's probably not going to play. But the competitor that Chris Paul is, there's no way facing elimination, knowing that you're possibly going to go home, there's no way he sits down and watches that. I wouldn't be surprised, but I would be surprised if he finished the game. Because yeah. I, don't I, think I mean, I, I expect him to play in spurts. Start the quarter, you know, maybe end the fourth quarter. I don't expect him to play heavy minutes, but do I expect him to play and get the offense running? It's absolutely I do. Oh, okay, man. So who do you got in tomorrow's game seven? Warriors. Warriors? I'm going to go with the Rockets just because I – Love being right, and I, I've been, you know, I've been on the James Harden train for ever since he left OKC. So uh, I'm a big fan of his, and I can't wait for him to finally win. So I can say I told you so. I, I just this, this just screams of like. I mean, if Paul was there, I'm probably saying the Rockets, but yeah. without Paul, I, I'm. Gonna have to go Warriors. I they they're just not the same team without Chris. There it is. All right, coming up next, hater to love it, right here on the fan. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hater or love it, right here on the fan. 10.35. I told you we'd be on time. You know, we're on time-ish, yeah? Yeah. yeah a couple yeah, minutes behind. A few minutes uh, yeah, behind schedule, but it, better than normal. We're a couple okay. minutes uh, Lynch, again, is out. He is in San Diego with his family. Hopefully, he's having an awesome time in my favorite city in the United States. 
Uh, so I will be doing this one solo dolo. Jesse, go ahead and get me started, fam. Well, well then, let's see what we have here. Let's uh, talk some some uh, football. The yeah, article was put out earlier this week um, suggesting that they're two best teams to go from worst to first in their division because every year there's somebody that does. Okay. That's, that's the way the NFL goes. And there actually, when you think about it, are um, several good choices. Um, one being San Francisco, but didn't make the list. Because uh, I, you know, okay. tough division, but I think that, that that could be a possibility. But the two that made the list were my Denver Broncos. Right. And we're going to leave those out of this. The other being the Houston Texans. Ooh. Ooh, indeed. Love or hate, the Houston Texans have the best chance of worst teams to go from worst to first. Um, love. Um, I look at the Texans division, and we talk about it all the time. Uh, it is incredibly winnable. You know, really outside of um, the Jaguars, like who in that division could really see any of those teams? And now you're, uh, and now you're trying to figure out exactly what the Jaguars are going to do. Are they going to come back to life? Is this going to be? Uh, was that the one and done year for them? Like, was this the year that they go from worst to first? Every year you see it, and really the A the AFC uh, South is arguably the weakest division in football. You can ma really make that argument that they're, you know, th they have good players, but for whatever reason, the the, the win loss column doesn't always project that. Uh, the Titans are going to be up and down. You're still not sure what that's going to look like with uh, Mariota and his new uh, his new regime. You're not exactly like I said, you're not exactly sure what the Jaguars are going to do after they just had uh, an incredible run to the AFC Championship. Who knows what you're going to get from Andrew Luck and the Colts? Is Andrew Luck even ready to throw a football at this point, or is he even ready to do anything? Mm -hmm. So if there's any team that's really fit to do something right now, the tight the Texans were on a tear before they lost their uh, Rookie of the Year, which should have been Rookie of the Year quarterback, and. Uh, if they get him back and he's healthy and he plays anything like he did before he went down or even half as good as he did before he went down, then I think the Texans are the team to beat. I, I agree. I mean, just, just so everybody knows, the New York Jets, 5-11, and 11, worse than their division. Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns, worse than their division, 0-16. Houston Texans, 4-12. and 12. Denver Broncos, 5-11. and 11. New York Giants, 3-13. and 13. Chicago Bears, 5-11. and 11. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 5-11. and 11. San Francisco 49ers, 6-10. and 10. Um, I, I agree. I think um, the one thing that Houston has always been missing, like there's been one thing every time you've, you've pointed to Houston, they've never had a quarterback. The, the best quarterback, basically, that they've ever had until Deshaun Watson has been Matt Schaub. Yeah. Matt Schaub has been that franchise's best quarterback to date. Yeah. Um, uh, you have all the pieces. Uh, your defense isn't quite what it was a couple years ago, but you still have some elite pieces on that. And defense. you still have J.J. Watt. And as long as J.J. Yep. Watt, who is the Rob Gronkowski of defense, as long as he is healthy and able to play, I don't think there's a better defender in the league. Agreed. You got you got um, wide receiver and Nuke. Nuke is um, – DeAndre Hopkins is amazing. Um, it, you, I, I think you have some – the running back position is probably my one concern on on that offense. But I'll tell you what, Lamar Lamar Miller, the only time he's ever looked good playing for Houston is with Deshaun Watson in the backfield. He had his. He really had a. a and everybody thought Lamar Miller was going to be a huge part of what Houston did, 
And just, again, just not having your trigger man there kind of changes the way you were doing stuff because Deshaun Watson had the ability to tuck and run and to roll out and run. And whenever you have that ability, man, you got to have running backs that end up wide open on certain things and just like Lamar Miller was not sometimes. So I think that's a, I think the Texans are definitely the team uh, that of all the teams that were terrible from worst to first, the Texans are definitely the one that I would pick. Yeah, no, that it, it, it starts at the quarterback position. And that's one thing you can watching Watson last year. He came across as a player that as long as he stays healthy is going to be special and he improved from week to week, and it seemed hard to believe because he was putting up ridiculous video game numbers. But from week to week, that guy just got better. Uh, yeah. Moving on, let's uh, go to the Bay. The Bay, um, we're going to do the battle of the running back position. Um, the Either the 49ers or the Oakland Raiders, uh, they're still the Oakland Raiders for now, um, have a real dominant running back. Now, the San Francisco 49ers went and signed Jarek McKinnon um, from Minnesota in the offseason, and technically, uh, in Oakland, you still have Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. Right? So those are your two probably main or best backs that you have between those two clubs. Love or hate? Marshawn Lynch will end up with more rushing yards than Jarek McKinnon. Hey, um, <clears throat> Marshawn, at this point, is just, this is my, my opinion, Nothing more than a mascot right now for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Marshawn had an okay at best season last year in his first season with Oakland. He's only there because he wanted to play for his hometown before they actually moved to Las Vegas. So you're getting minimal effort from Marshawn a lot of the time. But the one thing you can say is, man, he rides for his team. When there was that whole fight incident, man, he ran onto the field to help out his teammate and everything. Like, Marshawn's always going to ride for you. But I don't – I think Jarek McKinnon um, – He's a younger running back. He's uh, somebody that the, I think the Raiders think can be their feature back as they move forward. Um, Marshawn at this point is nothing more than a bruiser. Maybe somebody that can be a third down back for you, maybe in certain situations if you're goal line or something like that. But um, I, I think Jared McKenna, this is the year that he really takes that step forward. And Marshawn, we've seen the slow regression already. So I think this is the year that he we we he, he catches up to where his, his – I guess his stance in the league. You know, he's been in the league for now like 13, 14 years, as long as Aaron Rodgers has as a running back. Been injured a few times. You know, a lot of ball, a lot of carries. I think we're gonna we've seen the the best of Marshawn Lynch at this point. Yeah, no, I I think you've seen the best of Marshawn Lynch. I could see um, Gruden go in there and say, you know what, uh, Lynch is my best running back, and I'm just gonna run him in between the tackles. And yeah, I really try to use Lynch, but I think as far as explosiveness, um, dual threat ability, um, Jarek McKinnon's definitely the guy that has the upper hand there. Now, the one thing I think uh, goes against him is they do have some running backs there that um, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan really likes. Uh, Matt Breida had some moments last year, mm-hmm. um, and that was an undrafted rookie free agent for him. And then um, they also they didn't even get to see Joe Williams last year, and another one where Shanahan literally went up to Lynch during the draft and said, "We need Joe Williams on this roster." And if I could see some sort of committee, yeah, brewing there with all those guys that Shanahan likes to do, and Shanahan also used a committee between two guys when he was uh, in Atlanta, so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I agree, I think Lynch is also going to be outrushed by McKinnon. Yeah. 
Okay, how many points I get? Uh, you won. You got so many points. <sighs> Woo! Let's That's go 20 up. points. You got so many points. That's what's up, man. Well, I'll take it, man. Play the victory music. Yeah, I get it. I don't care that Lynch ain't here. Yeah, appreciate it. You hear that sound, folks? That means I'm the winner. That means I'm in charge. And that means I get to decide what the next segment is right here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I love this song. This is so uplifting. Like, I listen to this when I'm like lifting weights or if I'm trying to like finish a report or sometimes I just be in my car. And I just need something that just lifts my spirits, man. So I, I, I love this song. Yeah, I can see playing this one uh, during workouts or yeah. team practices or something. Yeah, it's, you know, and so I, I use this for my, my son. Tell him, yeah, don't you ever give up, man. You don't quit over here. Glorious. Well, I have a question. So Jesse and I were kind of talking during, during the break. And um, there's a lot of people not showing up to OTAs. And they're... Frankly, they're the stars of the team. So we it's well documented that Brady hasn't been to camp so far. Or hasn't been to OTAs, excuse me. Um, Gronk hasn't been to OTAs. Um, Aaron Donald hasn't been to OTAs. Julio. Um, what's the other one? Um, Odell Beckham. You know, so all the stars of the league, they're like, eh, we're good. But if you know anything about Julio, you know that his workout routine is crazy. Um, If you follow Odell Beckham on Instagram, I don't. But uh, he often posts, uh, posts, you know, his workouts and what he's doing and everything. And if you, you know, outside of him dancing and stuff, those are the videos that he's posts a lot of times is him working out, getting ready for the season. He was doing some work on the field. And what ankle? He didn't look like he had a problem at all. He looked awesome in off-field workouts. Do you really need to go? Like, I, I feel like if you're a rookie, uh, if you're a first-year head coach, or this is your first, you know, this is this is your first year coaching a certain team, then yes, you definitely need to be at, at OTAs. But if you're Tom Brady and you're going on 41, you've been to the Super Bowl eight times, and you've won five of them. What could I possibly learn from doing a, a group curls with everybody? Well, nothing. Here's well, this this is where I'm. They do run drills. They do pass the ball, and as much as the Patriots roster turns over every year, it turns over every year. Like that's what Bill Belichick does. He doesn't pay players. He just brings new players in. And when you do that, I I do think OTAs can be important as far as. Um, integrating new key pieces. Into so why your call them voluntary workouts if you're going to be mad that I don't show up? Like, and that's that's my thing. Like, it's like one of those unwritten rule type things. We'll just write the rule down so there won't be an issue. Because if you're leaving it to me and making it voluntary, and say, hey, we need you to come to the facility. We're going to run through practices, or 
no, guys, you can just come over. If I'm Tom Brady, uh, how about you just come over to my house? Like, um, I've you? got the I've got all the same stuff. I got my trainer Guerrero here. Um, he'll make us some pancakes. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna do that anymore because I don't need to anymore. But it's your job. Like, and then, I get that. It's then what I'm saying is, don't make it voluntary. If these are just voluntary workouts, just say mandatory workouts, and you need to be at all of them. But if you make them voluntary, and I'm the star, and I have all these same amenities either at my own home, or at my trainer's home, or wherever I work out, then I don't need to go to OTAs right now. Because why? I'm going to see you at training camp. Yeah, but it's it's your job. I what I get that your your games are only six years or six uh, months you know, out of the year, the other six months you're off or you're doing a little bit of training here, a little bit of training there, but you know, it's, it's the players that say, you know what? I know it's voluntary, but I'm going to be there that, and, you know, that's been Tom Brady. That's been, that's been guys like Peyton Manning that are going to be like, I'm going to be there every year. And he's the one that's leading the team during OTAs. He's the one that's setting the tone for what the year to come is going to be. And this right now, this is setting the tone. Now, granted, I think this is more important for teams that are trying to rebound. Yes. As opposed, it, I agree with that. But uh, I also think that there is something to be said about great teams understanding that, I get that this is voluntary, but this is important to me continuing to be great, to the no, success and, and, of our and team. And I get it for, from, a, I guess, a leadership perspective. You want to see your quarterback out there uh, or your star receiver or whomever out there helping the younger guys kind of get to where they need to go. And I, I, I totally get that part. But again, if you're leaving the choice to me, and you're asking me, do I want to come to these voluntary workouts and learn an offense, if I'm Tom Brady, that I know – like the back of my hand at this point. Like I know every nuance to this offense. I know every wrinkle. I know where every player is supposed to be, including my defensive line or offensive lineman on which plays. Like I don't need to go to that. And like I can really, and it's not like I'm not staying in shape. Brady, you know, the, the his relationship with Guerrero is incredibly documented. We all know it and everything. So we know that he comes back in phenomenal shape. Like you don't really need me. I think OTAs is for coaches. Uh, to be able to get with man newer players and be able to work them into the system before training camp cars. That's that's what it is. It's like a transition. If you've ever been in high school or middle school and you're going to high school, most places have what they call an eighth grade transition. They set you up with a counselor or and everything. And this is probably going to be if you're going to go to this school, this is going to be your counselor for next year. You tour the school. You get used to it before you actually go. That's what OTA should be. Something like okay. I'm, I've been, I'm coming from college, different system. They're going to give me this NFL playbook. They're going to tell me some things that, that, that I need to know about, you know, about the team and some of those other things, almost like an orientation. That's what that should be. And then, okay, now you go out there and work with everyone else. When you start a new job, they just don't sell you, okay, well, you got it. So go out there on the floor and you go find Jesse. He's going to show you around. No, they give you a training for a few weeks. And then they say, you ready? We're going to put you out there with Jesse. We're going to pair you with him. He's going to show you how to really do everything on the fly. They give you an opportunity to do that. That's what OTA should be. That's what rookie mini camps are, though. That That is what a rookie mini camp is for. The OTAs are, you don't go to a job, you do it for six months, take six months off, come back to the job, and you're as good as you were six months ago. You're not. You're not going to. If you're sharpening those tools, though, on uh, your own, then yes. No, no, because the, once again, this comes back to the, you have added new pieces. You have a brand new left tackle, as you normally do in New England. You have to learn to, like, that left tackle needs to be able to communicate 
with Tom Brady. He needs to be on the same page, and that starts now. It doesn't start three months from now. That but, starts see, that's the thing. Now. I think that's something that starts. That doesn't have to be at OTAs. That can be as much as Brady calling that new rookie saying, hey, man, no, there's, uh, I'm there's Brady. Like, nice there's to meet you. Welcome to, welcome to New England. That, that's different than understanding how this guy blocks, uh, how how he pushes the defenders around. Is he better on his uh, pushing guys to the left, or is he better at pushing them to the right? Yeah, is but they're not really going blocker? full contact at OTAs. No, you know, but you start learning these things. You start communicating. It's that being able to communicate with them telepathically as opposed to having the, the verbal communication. These are the things that you get now as opposed to having to try to work them out in the preseason because you want to be beyond that come preseason. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just one of those people that doesn't, like, if you if you want players to show up and you're angry that they're not showing it up, okay, well, stop making these voluntary workouts and make these mandatory for they, people to be here. They can. It's the, it's the, the NFLPA. Then I don't, then exactly. Then at this point, man, you can't be mad at me for not showing up. I, you know, honestly, and that's the thing though, but once I'm going to go back to this. It's your job. Show up to your dang job. Like I, 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 you get so much time off as a football player. But if your job your made it, but if your job said it was, oh, it's voluntary. You don't have to come. Uh, Nobody's true, actually coming. Are you still going to go? When somebody who wants to be the best is going to be there. So it looks like this outside, and your job is calling you right somebody now, saying who wants to be it's the voluntary. Best. You don't really have Pete to Manning's come. Gonna be there. But it it helps if you're here. It helps you, you know, kind of gain. Yeah, I'm hey, good. Hey, hey, Rashad. Next week, it's like, uh, hey, show up to the show if you want. You know, like, you know, it's voluntary. And then you're like, you wake up, and you're like, I'm going to go to the show. And you look outside, and you're like, never mind. I'm not going to go to the show. And you do that for a couple weeks, and then you come back a month later. You're not going to be as good at the show. I'm going to be great at the show is what I think. Well, good point. I disagree. But you made awesome points, as you always do, Jesse. Uh, I will be, we will be here full strength next week. I believe Lynch will be back. And then the week after that, I think he's going to be gone again. So we're going to work on getting a, a co-host to fill in. Uh, had an awesome time with you guys. Thank you so much for texting in on the text line, 55305. Uh, get at us on Twitter at TaylorMade503 at Jesse Osmond. Uh, have an awesome Memorial Day weekend. Barbecue a lot. Uh, hit me on Twitter. Let me know where the barbecue is so I can actually come through and get myself a plate. Um, yeah, man. Don't do nothing I wouldn't do. And if you do, take pictures. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.